This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve check them out at huntworthgear.com um we've got to give a shout out to uh some of the patreons uh, so this podcast is one of our patreons brad he runs uh bds outdoors but uh we talk a little bit about saddle versus climber but it, it kind of more so is a conversation about like what kind of hunter uh would you rather be and we get into like kind of Brad's story of kind of like how he complains about, you know, things that have happened and, and all these things. And he's getting on better deer now. And uh, one of the deer he hit last year um, and didn't recover, um, he actually killed the day after we recorded this podcast. And uh, that's like a 130-inch nine-point. Uh, he's He's bucked out now for... Uh, the state of Tennessee for, for this year. Um, so congrats to Brad on that. But uh, other Patreons like uh, Pat Casey just shot a six-point, uh, ending a two-year drought for him. Um, Tori Owens just shot a doe tonight. Uh, Tim Zelenka's out in Kansas. He shot a monster eight-point. Um, he's got some great deer out there. But, he, you know, he's Mich- from Michigan. He They travel out there. Um, and, again, those guys are shooting – um, those adjustable red dot sights and, uh, those lever bows, those Oneidas, um, super cool. Uh, definitely go, uh, check out adjustable red dot and, uh, uncle Frank's down in Ohio. He's got his ready to send an arrow through, uh, through a buck. He's, he's into the box. He's missed, uh, a 10 point so far, but, um, he's, he's, uh, he's into him. So, Anyways, just quick uh, kind of recap, and then uh, Ryan Gower, the guy I was in the Marines with, um, he was a Patreon 
uh, as well. Uh, he's had a heck of a two weeks. He killed two bucks in Michigan back-to-back days. Uh, so he's bucked out in Michigan, killed a really nice uh, Kentucky buck. So congratulations. And he was wearing his Bowhunter Chronicles uh, T-shirt that he got for signing up to be a Patreon. And that's been his lucky shirt. Eric Nelson from the last podcast um, killed a dandy uh Broke off eight point, but a huge buck. Uh, public land. He was also wearing his Bowhunter Chronicles uh, t shirt. So, if you need a little luck in your life, get a hold of me uh, or uh, check out patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast and uh, get signed up and we'll get you hooked up with a t shirt. Uh, maybe help turn your season around. Um, but, you know, Brad's one of the Patreons. He's going to be doing um, some uh video work and stuff for us we talk a little bit about that at the end of the podcast but his story um is is a lot like a lot of people where he went from a climber to uh a saddle and he's rethinking it like you know is this worth it is it what i thought it was going to be um but in doing so he's kind of getting on more deer getting on bigger deer um and uh, his hunting is is somewhat improving um by it doesn't have to be the saddle. I think it's just a, a shifting of mindset. But uh, the saddle, I think, is the catalyst of you know not going to the same tree every single time or having one or two spots. So uh, we get into all that in the podcast. But um, you know, I, I, we got to give a shout out to our our sponsors uh, that help out, and we do Patreon giveaways, and our sponsors. Um, give away tons of stuff uh every quarter um so huntworth is giving away a fairbanks jacket and bibs um i hunted today it was like i don't know i want to say it was uh, high 30s low 40s and uh you know full huntworth gear and i'm really really impressed with it i continue to be impressed with it yes um they do give us all the stuff um but as you can see if you noticed uh if you're if you're uh following them on social media you maybe saw some pictures of me today in one of the ads um i was using huntworth stuff before we were uh officially sponsored so uh, i i really do like it um and they're giving away some of their cold weather gear that, that giveaway will be in january so uh just in time uh for the cold weather those late season late doe hunts here in michigan um spartan forge gives away one of their um one-year subscription, spartanforge.ai. You can go and check that out. And now they have free uh, mapping software. So you can go and get the free version of their app. It doesn't give you any of the artificial intelligence. It doesn't give you the predictive movement. Um, But it does give you um, their maps, their ability to track, um, all that stuff. And it's definitely worth it. Their imagery is basically the best in the business for much of the the whitetail states and uh, i just can't recommend it highly enough uh spartanforge.ai you can use uh code bowhunter and save 25 percent um but they give away one year uh subscription to that lucky buck you know they give away some of their uh either mineral or some of their uh, seed if you can't use mineral in your area uncle frank's down uh in ohio uh sitting over some lucky buck and like i said he's he's into the bucks already you know missed missed the 10 point but 
I think it was a little bit of nerves. Uh, my buddy Mark is down in in Missouri hunting over more lucky buck, and he's just passing deer left and right. That makes me sick. I tell him, don't send me pictures anymore. Um, I don't want to see them. Um, and then uh, our friends at Zinger, um, they give away uh, a test pack of their Zingers to uh, uh, one of the Patreons, and it's just something that we do to give back. Um, I don't have it quite figured out yet, but we're going to be giving away another bow um, probably something like that bear Alaskan that I've got, um, really enjoy shooting that bow. That's a test bow, uh, for the podcast. And that's, that's a, a solid bow. Um, but, uh, I'll talk to the shop and see what they've got. And, uh, but we're going to be giving away another bow and, uh, I'm going to make sure, uh, that we throw one of those adjustable red dots on there. So, um, we'll be getting all of that away. Um, here coming up, uh, this podcast, like I said, with one of the patrons just kind of goes into like the relationship that we have with, with the listeners. And we do appreciate every single one of you. Um, you know, you can go to patreon.com and, and check that out. You can go to our website and check it out. But if not, you know, we appreciate every single one of you for listening. If you got any questions, uh, anything, just reach out to us. Don't, don't hesitate. Uh, and as always, enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. All right, everybody. Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. We're like right in the middle of the, I, I think where it's getting to be the good part of hunting. Um, it is. Yeah. John, <laughs> John's still sketching up his house and doing all this stuff. But here in Michigan, like lots of deer are getting killed, seeing bucks cruising, um, I hunted this morning. I saw a dozen deer, nice eight point and a little spike and spike was, I mean, nose down right where these does were. And I got busted by an unknown deer that I guarantee was just a big old buck staring at me when I, I went into a spot. My buddy told me about blind and deer were everywhere. And I was like, shit, I should, should have been looking over there. Like (laughs) everything. Um, but we're talking to, uh, to a guy. and, And so, so Brad Collins, he does uh, BDS Outdoors. He's going to do some uh, uh, video type stuff for us here coming up. He's one of the Patreons. And um, I don't know. I I think Brad, like usually happens, is guys will ask questions about saddles or whatever. And when you put a question out to like Facebook, you get everybody being like, this is the greatest saddle because it's the one that I owned and I tried it. And so I was just message people and I say, Hey, like, tell me what's your budget. What's your, like, what's your hunting style? Like, what is your motivation? And then we just got to talking and back and forth and back and forth. And I think, you know, that's kind of when I like found it, found Brad and we just been going back and forth. And he's super active in our Marco Polo group. And I think he introduces himself as like, I'm either going to be the guy that's bitching about something busting somebody's balls or a hype man on something. I mean, I think that's exactly what you said, like earlier this week. Yeah. 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 So, uh, like Brad, like give us your like hunting background and like your, I I guess some of your background and it's, it's great because this is going to be, um, the week of, uh, veterans day. Brad is also a veteran. And so, you know, we we felt bad for him. So we brought him on for this. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, so I am uh, from Western New York. Um, 
we grew up hunting nothing but state land. That's all we had. Uh, my grandfather was like the first hunter of his family. They didn't, nobody hunted before him. He taught himself. He taught my dad. Uh, both of them taught me and my brother. Um, so that's what we did. We just, we did public land hunted uh, up until um, I joined the army at 18, right out of high school. Uh, I took a couple years off. I was like, running around doing that kind of army stuff. And then, uh, in 2012, I landed here at, uh, Fort Campbell and they have, I don't know if anybody knows, but Fort Campbell's got like giant deer on it. I've never seen one personally or like in the woods. I've seen them like on the side of the road. I've never seen them like in the woods, but Fort Campbell is known for like stud bucks. The, they had a buck killed, uh, a couple of years ago that was on like the cover of rack magazine. It was like two fifty something. Like it was, yeah, it was a, it was a big deal. It got run over by a car, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, so I started hunting for Campbell. Uh, we moved to, to Tennessee. I got married stuff, moved to Tennessee and then found out that I, where I moved to is literally 30 minutes from like 10,000 something acres of public land. Um, so I am frequently hopping different areas of public land, uh, back to the beginning kind of stuff. I grew up absolutely nothing but climber hunting is all we did. We, uh, we had the ability to put lock-ons and stuff up and my dad and my grandpa always did that but like they gave me a climber i remember it was like one of those 30 pound like steel climbers and that was that was what i cut my teeth on and uh when i got here i bought a summit uh viper uh sd or hd or whatever whatever that was it's still out there in the shop but um two years ago 20 whenever joe biden gave us that big lump of money I told my my wife, uh, "Hey, I'm buying a saddle. Like it's there's no excuse now. Uh, we got three kids, so we got a fat check." And I was like, "That's it. Like I'm buying a saddle." Um, and that was like Adam said, I, I bought. Uh, I think it was a trophy line, something or other, uh, on Marketplace, and it came with a Predator platform. And saddle was like an XL. I had no idea what I was looking at. And then uh, Adam ended up messaging me and. We went back and forth on like sticks and everything and started listening to the podcast and long story short, uh, I've killed uh, a pr- pr- good number of deer so far out of the saddle, I'd say. And I'm getting every day I learn something new. Um, today, I hunted a tree that was like maybe, I don't know, two, three inches around uh, at the top where I got up to. So I just I just keep trying something different a little bit every time and I got into a sketchy situation and like four sticks high and yeah, it worked out. I mean, it didn't work out cause I didn't see anything, but like the overall event of it worked out. And so when Brad like came into the group, you know, everybody's like, yeah, you know, like, like for me, I'm like, yeah, I'm the world's worst bow hunter. Like I'll kill a deer here or there. And, uh, you know, I'm learning, I'm getting better. And Brad's like, yeah, I like to kill about nine deer a year. And I'm like, son of a bitch, you're kidding me. Like, cause I don't, I mean, do you think about deer like that, John, when you're like, you know, I, I, half a dozen would be a bad year for me, you know? <laughs> no, you know me. I'm, <laughs> one, one every other year is about what I, what I kill. I mean, but. So I'm thinking this guy's full of shit, right? And then he like comes on the pole and he's like, I shot one. Like I shot another, I shot two uh, tonight. I got one of them and then uh, I'm going to go back and look for it tomorrow. And I was looking for that deer and I shot one off the ground. And then I, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, good Lord, man. Like, where do you, like, where do you get the time to process these deer? It's Tennessee. It's hot. You can't, you got to deal with them. Like, 
So go into like your expectations when you go into the year and how does the, do you come to that conclusion? Um, so I would like to kill at least half a dozen a year, right? Like that's, so we don't buy like red meat in the store. We are strictly like venison family. We started that, uh, when we first got together, I was still in the army and we were living together, but the army wasn't paying us BAH. So like we had to learn how to cut a lot of corners and like beer meat pushed us through those years where like, we just, you know, we, we weren't getting the extra pay you get when you're, you know, you're, you're married. So, um, that, that really put us into where we're at now. And then we do, uh, you know, like a lot of processing and stuff of our own, like chickens and stuff like that. But anyway, back to deer hunt, we, uh, <laughs> So I, I go into the season based off what I see in my freezer. I have like a stand-up freezer. Um, and this year I am my number is 10. And the reason because Adam knows, uh, John would know if he got on polo, but it's whatever. Uh I uh <laughs> lost uh I can't tell you how much meat. Uh we had a freezer or a breaker trip in our basement. I'm a paramedic, so I work uh 24-hour shifts. My wife homeschools the kids and she's in all sorts of stuff. So between the three kids and her, they got home. They, nothing happened. By the time I got home, I was like, man, something stinks in the the basement, like in the garage. We have an attached garage on the backside of the house. And uh, I was like, man, something stinks down there. Like I got in and found out that the freezer had thawed out. Um, I lost all of the meat that I had stored up other than I had the last year I killed last year was like on the complete bottom shelf in the back. And it was saved by like some other meat, sacrificial meat. I couldn't tell you what the other stuff was in the front but like it kept it cold enough where that stuff was still solid and I, I mean i'm pretty sure i made a polo of like just dumping meat in a trash can like i was upset and uh so i decided this year i'm just gonna hunt every single opportunity i can and just whack and stack but we need uh five or six and then um a good probably like like especially like process you ask like how do i process uh, so i have a fridge in my my shop sole purpose of that fridge is meat and then beer and uh trapping lures go in the door that's it like there's deer heads and random pieces of deer meat and whatever i need in the freezer part and then uh the inside i've taken all the shelves out and i put dowel rods in so i can hang meat kind of like a like a butcher's freezer or walk-in freezer um just on a mini size so i try and get them hung up skinned and then quartered up and put it in there. And then I, I let them sit for five or six days. And really what it boils down to is I wait till I get two or three deer in there. And then it's worth spending the effort and the time to, to process. But I do everything by myself, do super basic cuts. Um, and then recently I've been doing like, instead of like butterflying or staking out back straps or like the hind steaks or whatever, I just leave all that, the, the big chunks of good meat, I leave whole. And then when you thaw them out later, you can do literally whatever you want with them. You don't, you're not set to like one or two things. So that, uh, takes away again, processing time of, of cutting and, and freezing and, and sealing and stuff. So yeah, I just, uh, I've got a system down and I grind, I stack it all in the freezer and then I'm, I'm back to hunting again. And if I have to take days off to hunt or to process than to hunt then I'm, I'm upset. So I try and get that stuff done when it's dark out, when it's cool out. And then especially like you said, it's hot in Tennessee. So like, um, I shot those first, or I guess I shot that the buck was the first deer I shot this year. And I let him sit just so I could take pictures in the morning 
and I was a little nervous about the meat. Luckily, it was it was a little cold. But normally, I'll get one or two that first, like that last week of September we have open, or the first week of October. I'll whack one or two does that week, and uh, they will be skinned and quartered before, like you know, the kids are in bed when we get home. Like I just I try and go as fast as possible, and then minimize my interruptions and try and capitalize my time by doing more than one deer at a time. So it'll, well, go ahead. Let's say, so how many deer can you kill legally? <laughs> so it's like 490 something if you do the math. So we get two buck tags. Uh, doesn't matter what you kill them with. The only stipulation is one a day. You can't kill two bucks in the same day. And then we get three in the area. I'm in. we get three doe tags a day. Now, you compound that with, uh, I'm a couple miles from the Kentucky border, so I could go over there pretty easily and hunt over there. And then, like I said, Fort Campbell, they also have one buck tag a season and three does a day. So in a, in a perfect world, right, I could kill eight deer in one day and be completely legal. I could kill two bucks and six doe in one day and like, you know, go out in the morning and just hammer, you know, a buck and three does, get back home change clothes because I'm sure I'd be absolutely exhausted, run to Fort Campbell and and do it again in the absolute like perfect, you know, hunting day. I could kill eight deer. One more question. So are you still using the trophy line saddle or did you? Oh. No, no, no. I have a, a cruiser XC now. I very quickly uh, upgraded from the giant. It was, it, <laughs> I have, a, there's a video on my YouTube page of me in it and people, I had like a, a wire gated carabiner, and like, I was literally like a foot off the ground. It was literally the first time I ever just like sat my ass in it and people ate my lunch on all the saddle pay. Oh my God, you're going to die. I'm like, dude, it's, it's a foot from the ground. Like if I fell, I wouldn't even feel it. Like I, I catch myself. Like it, anyway, I got rid of that yeah, and I got something much more comfortable that I'm a lot more safe with. Also, he's the size of Tim Clark. So, but that yeah. one foot fall is pretty far for him. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might have to call a helicopter if it happens like but so we were talking a little bit earlier and then on the on the polos right so like i said brad is hype man busting somebody's balls or bitching so the the, the i feel like the the main um complaints about the going from a climber to a saddle is my buddy Josh, he just mentioned it to me over the weekend. He's down in uh, Ohio, and uh, he, he did kill a buck, and I asked him if it was out of saddle or from a climber. He said, climber, he said, I I hate picking trees. So he's like, I just go to find a tree that's, you know, straight. I climb it, looks in the right spot, which you could I, – I don't have the heart to tell him you could just climb that same tree with your saddle stuff, but you don't have to. Um, but people are like, I don't like the tree. Uh picking trees and picking trees in the dark and do not. And I think he just mentioned it the other day, how you do it like by feel or some shit, like you're Ray Charles, but, but, <laughs> but, but, and then it goes to like, well, it's the same weight or like, there's more weight or, you know, this. And then, then we get down to the bulk and the nuances of like little things you could do. So like, what has your journey been? Because it's been extremely like, uh, uh, vocal and or bipolar i would say yeah no 100 percent bipolar. <laughs> no so like i said i i started with that i bought uh some muddy pro sticks 
from some random dude in Florida on one of the classified pages. I decided I wanted to go with like a good, hearty, heavy stick because that's where, mm. anywho. Uh, so when I started my saddle journey, if you will, uh, I was immediately frustrated by it. Like I hated every single bit of it. It was so stupid. I don't know why I decided to do it. Why would I put the tree in front of me? I'm so comfortable in my like big cushy chair. Like anywho. Uh, so I went from that trophy line we talked about. I kept the predator cause I, I paid like $150, like I said, on marketplace for a trophy line, like ambush light or whatever it was. And a predator. So I knew like the predator alone was worth the money I paid. Uh, I sold the predator or the ambush on online. Uncle Joe gave me a fat sack of cash. Like I said, I bought my cruiser. Uh, and that was more of like a, they had really kind of just sort of hit, I think at that point. And, uh, or at least I, you'd started to hear about them more. And I, I remember like the big, kicker for me i was talking with adam about latitude and you know the getting everything from latitude and this and that and uh i wanted to get something american made because i try and do that as much as humanly possible but like obviously we all live in a society we can't do that and then uh so that's what we talked about latitude and then uh i got on one of the like tennessee saddle pages and cruiser uh chad started talking and doing his thing and I was scrolling through the classified pages one day and I realized like there's a mantis on there every 15 seconds. There's a, a, a phantom on there every 15 seconds. There's not as many latitudes, uh, but at the time the uh, covert light had come out and everyone was ditching like their ambush light, amber, ambush pro, like trophy line saddles and stuff. And I was like, man, it's really like, like TX5 and cruiser and I don't remember, there was one other that I was like, man, I just don't see any of them used at all anywhere. And I was like, man, let me. And then initially I was going to drive to Cookville, which is only a couple hours from here and go meet Chad and them. And, and I was going to try and do like a YouTube thing of walking through the factory. And of course, again, I said I have three kids. So life kicked me there. Uh, I ended up switching jobs somewhere in there. So big, big mistake or big whatever didn't end up going up there but uh yeah so right now like i guess my setup is uh i'm still in my xc which i absolutely love i sat in a um what is their two panel uh the archon, archon. i sat in the archon at uh the nwtf show uh i stood on the mini seeker which i like the idea of like the 45 degree angle with the mini seeker uh or the original seeker but I didn't like how big it was. Uh, I stood on the mini seeker and I was like, yeah, I cannot wait to get my hands on one of those. Um, but right now I'm, I'm still on my predator until like either I hit the lottery or, uh, you know, my wife divorces me and I can just buy whatever I want at that point. Um, so cruiser XC predator platform, and then, you know, just random ropes from whoever had stuff on sale at that point. And then like, carabiners and stuff like i said people like get super into i just have some like auto locking carabiners from amazon they're not anything special they're all supposed to be rated and stuff and see look adam's already mad at me your life's uh, in your hands man i know look, still running yeah. the uh what sticks you running money pros yeah I, that's a, I, I was talking that's that's the other big topic i bitch about quite often is like my weight right um so up until 
three days ago. Uh, my my with three liters of water, so a standard Camelback of water. I was running about fifty pounds of weight uh, on the shit that I was carrying in the woods, and that like back to what what Adam said a minute ago is like I was like shit. My climber was half of that, you know. I it was twenty something pounds, and uh, I don't I couldn't tell you what was in it. I, I ran a fanny pack at that point. Um, and, and I carried, you know, like a grunt call and some binos and, uh, you know, a can of chew and we went hunting, but, uh, with the saddle thing, I kind of went geardo a little bit, and eh, but, uh, I got it. I, I haven't weighed it yet, but I just, I had like, uh, so I do the self-filming stuff and I run, um, uh, just, I have two GoPros. I got to get a mount for the other one cause I busted it, but I have like two GoPros to do like a self view. And then I'm trying to get a bow view. And then, um, I just have a handy cam. Uh, and I was running, uh, the muddy outfitter camera arm, which is like, like eight pounds. pounds. Yeah. So, uh, I finally convinced my wife, uh, I worked some overtime shifts at work and I was like, Hey, look, we got our bills all pretty and caught up. I said, I'm going to spend $200 on a camera arm. And she was like, no. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to do it. So I just bought the Genesis 3D printing camera arm. I've made uh, officially two hunts with that. Um, I absolutely love it. And then the fact that it's not as hot here so I can carry less water. Uh, so my my back does not hurt nearly as much right now. But my next, the, the big step will be... Um, Probably getting into some B sticks is where I think I'm headed. Um, and then running like USAs or something to hold them on a tree. But either way, I, I'm I'm pretty set on the B sticks unless like some tethered ones up here at my doorstep, you know, out of nowhere. But that's uh that's where I'm headed. Just to try and lighten myself up a little bit, because most of my walks in I think I walked in a mile and a half ish tonight. Um, but I, I, like I said, I got a lot of public land and there's a lot of guys that have found it recently, like the COVID hunting. I don't know if you guys got into this, but like 2020 was absolutely terrible. There was a couple spots I hunted for five years and I never saw another truck and opening morning, uh, of, of bow season in 2020, there was a buck that I said, I'm going to say conservatively is probably 160 in the bean field every night in this one spot of the spot that I had hunted by myself for literally years. Opening morning, I got in early because I knew other people were going to be there. It was a, a big deal. And if I had any chance of killing that buck, it was going to be that day. And when I walked out, when I walked in, I was the only truck in the parking lot. When I walked out, there were seven trucks. <laughs> so like, uh, and, and it's not just, uh, it's not just guys here which is the biggest issue it's I'm seeing tonight. I saw Illinois tags and a Mississippi tag at the parking lot that I went into that I've never seen anyone at before. Uh, you know, then another guy came in with, with a, a, a Tennessee Stewart County tag, like, so somebody local, but right now when I pull into a public land area right now, I'm seeing all these out of state tags. And I think it, the problem is people figured out and I'm going to blame Parker, probably Parker McDonald and, and THP they figured out Tennessee is like, we got deer and we got tags and you can kill as many deer as you want. And unfortunately, people, I don't want to say unfortunately, because, you know, I, obviously I want everyone to kill something. But like 
stay out of my spots while you do it. Go find, <laughs> find other spots. They, yeah, they, they're mine. Well, and with his load out there where he's talking like 50 pounds or whatever, and we'll go back to like bitching hype man. Like right. this, this would be Brad on polo. He's like, he's like, all right. Cause he's gone full Facebook saddle hunter. He didn't just, he didn't just be like, I want to saddle hunt. He's like, Oh, I got this kayak. I'm going to go in. I got my <laughs> 50 pounds thing. He's like, he's like, I'm going to kill this deer. It's going to be so great. And then like 20 minutes later, he's like, I flipped my fucking kayak and I lost my camera. And <laughs> that like, was a bad night. That was a bad night. <laughs> but, but redemption, the sweet potato shirt came through uh, two nights later. Well, I guess I shot the, that buck last year first. And then a couple nights later I shot, uh, Shot my sweet potato shirt went on when muzzleloader season hit and knocked him down, shot a doe. But so with this, uh, you know, this six deer expectation, it goes to kind of like what we were talking about before. And I want to have this conversation on the podcast, right? Because one of your things, Brad, was, and, and it is like 100% like, you know, you're hunting public land. It's not like you've got these. Just because I feel like a lot of people go from private land and they think, well, public land sounds cool. Everybody talks about public land. Mm -hmm. And what I like about it, and I've talked about this before, is like even on our property in the UP, we've got 240 acres and there's public around it. But, you know, you get a few guys on there and you hunt it for a couple of days, like it gets pretty crowded. And then. If you go to the one side and, you know, inevitably like where the deer are, are right up against the neighbors, cause there's usually fence lines or there's usually some sort of, you know, boundary there that the deer is thicker so that they can use. So then you end up hunting right more pressure than you do on, on some of the public where you just go and get away from people. Right. But you were saying like how with your climber, you had three spots. You had like a night spot a morning spot and then and you're killing you know you what those and then you get in the saddle and now you you must have changed where you hunted and you want to go exploring or something because you got this new freedom and you're like no nah, i'm just not seeing deer and i'm you know and you you hit a couple really good bucks that you didn't recover i think that, that you know that's always disheartening but like my retort to Brad was like, you know, in that now you're getting on bigger bucks, you know, you just, you know, you just get some bad luck. I mean, everybody shoots and misses and, you know, it's, a, it's one of those things where, you know, big bucks are, you know, you gets your heart rate up, gets you going, especially if that you're not used to that sort of thing. Um, ask me how I know that's not, I, I, I've just, it's what I've been told. Right. But <laughs> But but it's like, would you rather, and I'll let you go ahead, John, would you rather like have two spots where you just went out and killed the deer, but then when you went out on, or you could go to two spots and kill a 150 and just had a, a basement full of, you know, like your baskets of, you know, spikes <laughs> and four corns or whatever. They were just a shed full of 150s, 140s, whatever, but you couldn't hunt. You didn't know how to hunt anywhere else. You're just like, you know, go to a different state, go to public land. And you're like, where's the food plot? Where's the field edge? Where's my ladder stand? You know, what do I do? What The wind's not right. What, what am I supposed to do here? Or, or would you rather 
You know, well, if I had a spot hunt. that just walked out and killed a 150 every day, I'd be like, <laughs> you'd quit hunting because it, would, it wouldn't be fun anymore. Right? Oh, no. It'd still be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so, like, you'd get to the point where, like, well, okay, now I got to find a spot where the 180s are. Yeah. But, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't know how. Well, how'd you find the 150 spot? You just, just, you just, just there. You just stopped shooting the little ones and then they <laughs> just came, right? I mean, is that how that works? Because I'll stop tomorrow if that's how that <laughs> I, that's what I mean. You can't kill a 150 if there's not one there. And every 40 incher you shoot is never going to be a 150. Um, I mean, that's what that's what I've heard. Well, um, that's Frank. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Frank. You know. And you I'm pretty sure I said that tonight, didn't I? In Apollo. Yeah, and you were like <laughs> talking out of both sides of your mouth. I felt like. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, you're right. Like, look, I. So I set myself uh, in 2019, I started hunting uh, a private land spot and I got some really nice deer on camera. So that was the first time, 2019 was the first time I'd ever passed an antler deer in my life. Like I got a whole pile of spikes outside. I'll take you outside and show you if you really need to see. Like I'm that guy, I promise. I will lay down a spike. Last year I shot this like little basket rack thing. Like, yeah, I'm not... I'm not going to pretend that I'm the guy that shoots 150s at all. But in 19, uh, I shot my biggest buck ever at like 143 inches. Um, and that was private land. And I didn't hunt public that year. I just sat in the same stand and waited for that deer to finally show. I rattled him in November 1st. Like, yay, I got him. But it it felt different. Is the only way I can describe it. Like it didn't feel like I don't want to say I earned it, but it didn't feel like I earned it. Uh, whereas fast forward to the buck I just shot this year was 117 inches. I shot it with my wife filming. She was in a, a lock on in front of me. I was hanging off the saddle in the back. We shot that buck on public land, found him. She picked a tree. Like I'm getting it mounted because like that's a memory I never want to forget. Like that's what I'm chasing, not necessarily like. Sure. Do I want to shoot the 180? Yeah, of course. Everybody wants to shoot the 180. Does everyone want to shoot the 200? Sure. But like, if I can shoot 110s and my wife and kids are there, or uh, you know, I, I grinded all like that that buck I shot last year. I flipped my kayak. I lost my camera. I like had to go wading up in like neck deep water to find my GoPro. Uh, and two nights later I went back in the same spot or I guess it was a morning and smacked this buck, absolutely drilled him. He died like four yards next to the stand. Like that's what I'm chasing. I'm chasing that, like that high. And then on the back end, I'm going to whack every single doe. I don't care what time of year it is. I don't care what it is, but like Adam's talking to ask this question because I earlier in the year with the bitchin kept saying, uh, I was going to go back to my three spots. Uh, and actually one of my three spots is the spot that I shot this buck in. Oh, my dog's just went absolutely not. Um, so one of the three spots is, is the spot I shot this buck in, uh, you know, just a, a, a 50 yards away. And Adam was giving me shit because I made a 50 yard move or 60 yard move to where the deer were instead of sticking in my tree. Like I said, I was going to, and I, and I think that's that's where this this whole point of this conversation comes from is like uh, getting. I, I was mobile. I've always been mobile, right? With a climber, 
but I wasn't. I was hunting like I had a lock on with my climber. I hunted the same two or three trees every time. And then now, other than uh, the spot I kayak into, and that's just because deer, like I saw 60 deer last year in one sit on public land at, in bow range. Like it's kind of hard not to go back to that spot, you know? Uh, I shot what two deer, almost three deer the other morning out of that spot. Uh, the other, two days ago when I was in there, I had like four deer within 25 yards. They just little bucks, you know, nothing I wanted to, to take out with my second, uh, buck tag. But like, uh, that, that's what I think Adam's trying to get at is like, I made a transition without making, without noticing I made a transition and I started doing the the more, you know, elitist saddle hunter, big buck killer kind of thing. Well, I don't think so. I think like, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, a hundred percent. But what I, I would say, like, I don't think that it's like elitist or I don't think that it's like whatever. And it's like kind of what I alluded to in the post for like the podcast that when me and Eric talked about going to Ohio, like what I think happens because John, I mean, I don't know. I guess you had success early the one year and then that's how we found some of the other spots. And then I just feel like a lot of times like we, we, uh, it always is like, Oh, we needed one more day or two more days. And we thought that we could have, uh, you know, we would have had more success or, you know, we, we were just starting to get them figured out. But I think what that is, is that like it, it, as you get towards the end of your hunt, like, you get more aggressive because you're like, well, I'm going home tomorrow anyways, or like, you know, I only got one and a half more days. So I'm just throwing it all out there. And I think, you know, what you're doing and like what your transition is, is like, it's just like being like just a little bit more aggressive instead of just like, it's a different mindset of like, well, I'm going to this tree, you know, and if the deer, you know, over the course of the year, if, you know, there's some different vegetation or different greenery or something, and the deer are over there, you're like, well, I know they come by here because they have for the last three years, you know. Well, right. this year they're over there, you know. And I just think that it's it's like that we're we're not as aggressive as we should be. And like when you talk to these higher level guys, they're they're all in every time. Like they're either like way back on an observation style sit, or they're like, I'm going right on top of them, I'm gonna kill them, and if I don't kill them, then I'm going to a different spot and I'll find a different one. You know, and I think that that from a a numbers perspective is a di- is a difficult game because you know you don't want to blow out your whole area, uh, but at the same time, I think what you've been doing and what you've shown and you kind of glossed over in your mind was that these situations were on bigger deer than you were used to. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, I think that that's the thing that like with the uh, stand and sticks or whatever is like, you don't go in and you say, well, well, I have to sit in that. Tree. I mean, this morning, like I, I went into like the thickest, nastiest stuff. Like he was like, well, just go off the field edge and right in there. And he's like, it's pretty thick. And I had a headlamp and that was one of the conversations we had on polo was like, do you go over the headlamp? And I turned on the light and it was like a wall <laughs> and I backed out to the field edge and I was like, well, he's like, shoot into the woods, make sure you can shoot into the woods, but you can shoot back. So I just, like did a scan up in the trees and I was like, where is it like not thick enough so that I can still shoot back here. 
and I was in about a six or seven inch sassafras tree. <laughs> nice. Like, you know, like I, that was, that was the spot, you know? Um, but like, I, I was thinking about that when I was in there, I was like, if I had a climber, like there's no way I would have been too far in where I couldn't shoot to the field and the, and it, the deer would have came right directly underneath me, you know? So I was where I needed to be. And I didn't feel like unsafe or anything. I was like, oh, this is a great tree. <laughs> you know, like I it didn't cover up my body by any stretch of the imagination. That's that's what I hunted out of tonight. Like I went in, I knew where, so I, I had hit a doe uh, with my wife last year in that, this spot. And um, my parents like owned the corner, like this corner lot. And it wraps like public land wraps around it. A national wildlife refuge wraps around like my parents' land. So literally across the street and I'm on public land. And uh, so I started exploring that more over, like you said, the last couple of years. And uh, we ended up in the spot last year. We hunted down in there. And uh, she missed a doe at like, it's like six yards. Of the, we didn't practice at all, like a straight down shot with the crossbow. So, and she's never really hunted before. So she kind of did one of the aim down the site things and like, yeah, it, obviously she missed. Right. And th- my bad for not, you know, going through that scenario with her. But, uh, so I ended up, she ran out to what I thought was 30 yards. Uh, really she was at 20 and I shot and I like, like straight through her back straps. Like there was no, but we did our due diligence. We, we looked and in doing that, I ended up pushing into this like terrible thicket kind of shit. Like you're talking about just a hundred thousand saplings in this one little spot. And on the back side of it was another like kind of hidden field. And it was mostly like a little swale lot, but that back side of those shrubs was just tore up with rubs and there was two or three scrapes in there. And like, and this was the 13th, the refuge closes in the 14th. So I knew I wasn't going to get to hunt it again this, that year. And actually the next night is when I shot that buck and we, we didn't recover it. And like, it's still, never mind. Uh, but that's, uh, I, I, that's where I hunted tonight. I've hunted on that backside where all the rubs were. They were all freshened up. I was a hundred percent positive. I was killing something and, uh, it just, it just didn't happen. That would have been but, a 50 year old muzzleloader hunter. Yeah. It's the only dude. thing within range. <laughs> so, so like originally, so you have to walk across a cut bean field to get to where we're at, right? Or you like, obviously when the beans are up, you skirt around because you're not a jerk. And that was where earlier, you remember when I was scouting this year and I came up on that like five point buck and I was like sending, uh, so like I walked within 10 yards of, of this buck in this bean field. Um, so I decided I was going to go in there and if that buck came out, I decided I was going to kill it. Like, even though I don't want to waste my tag on, on a little one, but like that one I had history with, it was going to die. And, uh, anywho, but so I go in and this, I see this dude, uh, and they, they kind of, when I finally heard him, it was real windy. When I finally heard him, they were within like 30 yards of me. And I believe the the person with him was a child. And when I say child, I mean like 15, 16 year old, or it was a woman, like, I, I don't know, based off stature, there was like a tall dude and then a smaller statured person. So I wasn't super pissed. I let him kind of go up in where the deer were thinking that was a kid. And then 20 minutes later, old boy comes walking in behind me, like staring down at his phone at what I can assume to be Onyx. 
gets to the spot I'm hunting and thinks, oh my God, this is a great spot. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's mine. Like time for me to whistle and get you out of here. And that, that was all I saw tonight was, but again, an hour after he went back up in what I assumed to be with where the other person was, one of them let loose and shot something on the muzzleloader. And if dad hadn't texted me and said he shot a buck, I was going to go up in there and like be the bigger man and try and help him find the deer or help him drag out. Cause it's, it's like I said, it's like a mile and a half. It's a bitch. And uh, yeah, obviously dad texted me and said, Hey, I shot a buck. I need help. So I was out of there, but uh, that's, that's the kind of stuff I try and I've tried to avoid. I got in so many of those situations where like, you know, especially when, when the orange army comes out, uh, Mr. Fudd comes walking through the woods and like, I just, it, Ugh, it drives me nuts. Like I'm the kind of guy, if I pull up to a spot and there's a truck, I keep driving. I don't park next to the truck and go in. And uh, that's why I've started my, my exploring as Adam said, uh, I'm trying to get in deeper and further and find spots where people aren't. Coincidentally, I'm finding spots where deer are. So it's kind of a, a double-edged sword that worked out in my favor. That's funny how that works, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I always like when you talk about people and then like the Orange Army and like all this stuff. Like I just think of John's buddy with the with the white uh, chair and the bag of corn or whatever. Clowns, the clowns. <laughs> I had a guy set up on Fort Campbell. I was uh, so you can hunt like bow hunt the the. They have different areas set up like uh, up until this year. When September 26th or whatever, when they opened up, you could shotgun hunt certain areas, September 26th. So obviously that drew the guys that traditionally weren't archery hunters to Campbell. And it was a mess all year long. This year was the first year I actually stopped hunting there because I was so sick of that. This year's the first year they actually had seasons where like archery season and went into shotgun. You can't rifle hunt up there. But either way, um, I was in a, a, a shotgun area, so I had my orange on, and I got in at, you know, oh, dark 30, got everything set up, and this dude came in and 60 yards from me set up on a cooler. He was dragging, like, a blue and white igloo cooler set up, and I, like, whistled at him, and he just gave me a old wave and sat down on his cooler with his shotgun, and I'm like, I, I've been here for two hours, bro. Like, what? So, yeah, I... That, but you're on Fort Campbell, right? So maybe these are like old military guys are like intersecting fields of fire. Like you got your pie. I got mine. Yeah, like we're good. I hope that's what we were going for. <laughs> but, and again, like from where the deer were going to come out in that instance, right? Where the deer were going to come out. Same thing as tonight. That dude had the advantage. And that, that morning I just left. Like I was absolutely so mad instead of like trying to fight some old man. I just left. And, uh, I've, I've calmed down a little bit as my age has got higher. And tonight I was able to just let those people walk by and go do what they had to do. <laughs> that right, reminds me of those nice people that you met and the nice dude you met in uh, Ohio with a crossbow. Oh, there's a, yeah, there's too many of those people down there. I don't even remember exactly. <clears throat> well, you said you were setting up and it was like prime time and the dude comes just walking out, sits right on the corner of the field and he goes, that six point come out yet? No, no, I haven't seen anything but you, buddy. <laughs> Ain't seen him, bro. 
and he's like, "Good luck." That was the thing when we when John and I hunted the the different part of Ohio, because like I feel like the other places that we hunted like the first couple of years we didn't see anybody, and then the next time it was like every time we saw somebody in the woods they'd like look up at you and they'd smile and they'd say, "Good luck," and then they'd go and just like blow your hunt completely. <laughs> but but they I were had a guy happy. The the state line we used to hunt in uh, New York State, and I keep trying to get Eric to come down and hunt. Like I was like, dude, I'll drop you pins. I can tell you where the deer are going to be. But I I was hunting in this one spot. Like I knew where the deer were. Everything was working out. And it's like a tourist attraction up there. When the leaves change, all the people flood down from the cities, and they want to come take pictures. And and we hunted what they call the uh, the Grand Canyon of the Northeast. Right, it's just this big uh river gorge that is dug out over thousands of years and it's it's gorgeous right it's it's absolutely gorgeous but again attracts the people dude was wearing a brown sweatshirt with like white fringe hood thingy right like it was bright he was brown and white when he came in and he's got this giant camera and he's just bebopping to the woods taking pictures of leaves and all I see is brown and white right like and I'm I'm colorblind like we've talked about it a thousand times I see Brown and white, like it's deer. Let's go. It's like time. So I, again, I'm archery hunting. I've I've been doing that pretty much archery only for most of my life. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm up. I like I'm ready. Like dude's behind a tree. I come to full draw, and he steps out, and he's like, like I'm like, holy shit, dude, you almost just died. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm taking pictures of leaves and trees and whatever. I was like, dude, you you are wearing white. And it is deer season, like brown and white. It's deer season. You need to go and change into any other color or you're going to die. Like that's, that's the type of people I run into. Just they're super happy and super sorry, but like you ruined my hunt, man. Like, <laughs> Well, that was John on the youth hunt. Like what? Two years ago. <laughs> yeah. I didn't pay attention to the dates and uh, <clears throat> I'm out scouting a spot. And all of a sudden, I'm, like, walking through, and I'm, like, I look. I thought I seen orange. So I binos, there's a dude in a tree with orange on and a gun. Because it's the early season youth and the, um, Liberty, the, vet, hunt, the yeah. Liberty hunt here. And so, they can use, they can kill anything. So, bucks, does, whatever. It's brown, it's down. And, like, and I'm walking around in some khaki freaking pants and a camo t-shirt. And I'm like, holy shit. And I'm like waving like, man, don't look like a rat. <laughs> I got no nothing. So then I'm like out in the open. like, And then he's seen me and waved. So I'm like, all right, now I got to get the hell out of here. I'm not. And I'm in this like, it's a gnarly old apple orchard grown over with like a, there's a big old cattail marsh on the edge. And I'm like, well, I was going to go through that thick stuff over there. But I'm not now. No, I'm not. So I'm yeah. like cutting through, trying to stay out in the open. Then all of a sudden, boom, right from that tree, the dude shoots. I'm like, holy shit. So I'm hightailing it out of there. And then I end up getting over to this fence. And I, I'm like, and it was windier. And it was super windy that day. And it was like a south southwest wind. And that's what I did is walked all the way out and around because I wanted to get the wind right. So I could check all these spots. And uh, I finally, I get over and I have to cross this barbed wire fence. And I step on the fence and all of a sudden, 
like five feet from me, this dandy buck jumps up and we both do backflip practically. I think <laughs> he comes up, sees me and I like, holy shit. And he goes off running. And then, but then all of a sudden I see those guys now they're walking out. There was two of them actually. And they come walking out and I'm like, I give him the big buck sign. I'm like, that way, like go that way. <laughs> the buck went that way. So then finally I cross this creek and then get out to the road and then well, I don't know, like 15 minutes later they come walking out and I talk to him and it ended up being a guy the guy that was a shooter was a wounded veteran and then I don't know if it was a relative or whatever was with him that brought him out there and stuff and the guy that was hunting he was all excited he's like yeah right after you must have bumped a spike horn to me and <laughs> I shot but I ain't get him you know <laughs> like whew, I'm glad he didn't shoot me must have been a marine like Adam. <laughs> he wasn't eating crayons. Like he was. <laughs> well, we can agree he's probably in the air force. It's yeah, fine. It's yeah, fine. yeah. What? What is? NSF is what the marines would say about that. He's a non-shooting fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I can't tell you the amount of guys that would be like, oh, man, I learned how to shoot while I was in service. But like, man, I learned how to shoot, like, in my backyard when I was six. Okay, that's, yeah, whatever, we got it. Well, I was just having that conversation with a guy. We were just talking about, like, you know, having guns in your house or, like, you know, growing up or, like, gun, the basic, like kind of like basic gun safety, right? And it was like, man, I, I grew up in an environment where, like, my grandma's, house had a, a a room that was about half the size of the room that I'm in right now it was like a old walk-in closet or pantry or something, but it had a bed in it, but the entire bed and every single like place that there could be around the room was covered in rifles, like leaned <laughs> up, like, and it was like, it wasn't like, don't play with those. It was like, we don't point guns at anybody except for at their feet. Like that, that was, that was the, what was known. Like there was a gun half, cabinet in the freaking half of Adam's family is missing toes and shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just at their feet. It's fine. <laughs> but like, and that's like, you know, when I deal with uh, friends of mine or people handling guns and stuff like that, it's like, you know, like in the military, like there was a real, and it, it was like from boot camp on, like, flagging somebody or like dropping your weapon or anything there was like serious repercussions like there you were gonna have a really really bad day like for as long you know until they forgot about like or somebody else did it or whatever right. yeah, like yeah. that was that was it you know and so like that gets just ingrained into you and then it's like well what, what makes you so i'm like have how many how much time have you spent sleeping with a belt fed weapon like in your sleeping bag or like whatever. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm like qualified to like tell you that like the safety doesn't always work. You know, you have to like treat every gun. Like it's look, yeah. you know, yeah. Runaway guns are a thing. Guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Breaking belts are not something you want to do. Yeah. Oh my God. I remember. So we were like doing weapons maintenance or whatever, like on posts, like cleaning the freaking saw over here. And, you know, we're, we got another gun covering up the area or whatever. And, uh, we're like right next to this airport and uh, my buddy's like leaned in on this saw and he's pointing it at this freaking, 
like this satellite tower on the freaking thing. And I, I looked at it and I go, why is that bolt to the rear? And why is it off safe? And he was like, Woo! he flipped the freaking top. Cause like, like that weapon there, like you could go like, and it would just go. Like, yeah. Like, like it was not like, you know, it had to have the bolt open to fire and it was like pretty, they were pretty finicky. And it was like, we were just free. Cause I mean, we were seconds away from like an international incident, like for real, like on the had, news. Uh, a dude in Germany when we were there uh, was not our units. We, we were like a satellite uh, post to like the main post or whatever, but they were on the main post doing some kind of movement exercise. And I guess this T and E broke on a 50 and they were doing like some live fire thing. And the gun got stuck like up, pointing straight in the air and dude just like whiskey this butterfly and he ended up sending live rounds like onto main post and oh this God. poor bastard like they like, could hit the px it destroyed this dude's jeep he was like at a stoplight and like the door of his jeep just blew off and uh <laughs> they said apparently like uh, like i wasn't there right this is all like you, you heard about it we got millions of safety briefs so it physically happened but like um uh, I guess this poor bastard was like walking across this parade field, like trying to get to the PX and rounds just started impacting. And he was in like dress blues or something. And uh, he ended up having to like low crawl through the, <laughs> the little parade field. There was like puddles of water. I guess when he got to where the hell he's going, he was just covered in head to toe in mud and his dress blues. And they're like, what the F did you just do? And he's like, no, you don't understand. Like there was rounds and like, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a whole like thing like like very much what your situation could have been uh you know internationally it happened luckily on like an installation and i'd hate to be that dude like everyone hates to be that dude but like god i did not want to be that guy that accidentally. Oh, yeah. and we were like you know we weren't like young marines like we were like team leaders right. like upstanding guys like we we rode ourselves on this post because it was like easy and we were buddies you know and we would have just freaking got fried like absolutely yeah. freaking destroyed but but yeah that like you know knowing your target and like on john's favorite property same deal like i was hunting on this uh, along this gas line you know it's like thanksgiving and like i i've hunted out there like two times with a gun because it's so dangerous like rounds whizzing by and snapping like you know that and yeah and i'm freaking sitting up there and i'm looking and like here comes this these like working right down the edge you know these two brown things i pull up the scope and i'm like brown i'm like I'm like it's guys i'm like it's guys <laughs> like no orange whatsoever you know and i'm like that probably weren't cards they were they were and i'm yeah. i'm just Look, like oh I, my god i hate orange i hate orange and it's mostly because like i you know i i'm not a big fan of uh the longbows right i don't i don't the gun hunting is not where i want to be i i enjoy archery hunting and that's what i do year round uh and i hate wearing orange but at the same time like i'm not wearing it for me i'm wearing it for that dude out there that is just waiting for something brown to walk into the bush so he can take care of it. And it'll be the one day that I, you know, had whatever brown t-shirt on because something happened that I'm going to get waylaid out there in the middle of some field because I was stupid and didn't wear my orange. John. Well, it happens. It happens even, I mean, 
there's been guys killed here in the dark, you know, like right before or just busting through brush wearing orange, but people are shooting at the sound. They're just so excited. <laughs> like, well, I mean, uh, I, I got to get Frank to tell that story again. So I'm familiar with it, but he, he like worked with a guy who like lost an eye in some sort of accident. And then he was walking through the woods and then somebody shot him in the other eye with a broadhead. Jesus. And he didn't die, but he's got, we seen him in Lowe's the one day and he's like, that guy's got the worst luck in the world. Like, what? And he's like, yeah. But I mean, that, that kind of goes back to like what we were talking about the other day. We were talking about like you, like what's John, what's your take on light when you're walking in white light, red light, green light? Oh, I, I've got red lights blue lights, green lights, but I don't know. I'd, I don't worry too much about the light. I mean, I don't know. Never really bothered. I mean, you think about this, like when you're sitting out there or when you're going in or like the day we did the ZZ tops, uh, the guy looking at you, think about it like that. When you see someone walking through the woods, every once in a while, you just barely see a light. It's hardly lighting up any surface, you know. It's only pretty much visible to you. Um, maybe a deer sees, you know, a light going through the woods, but fuck. I mean, I don't know. I've never really worried about it much. Because they were Brad was like, you know, only red light. I think it's like a military thing. I think it's like a little bit antiquated. I think the green light works better. I don't think it spooks deer. Um, but one thing that didn't get mentioned is like for other hunters, like for you, for other people to know where you're at. Right. And I think that that's just goes right along with the, like the hunter orange type thing. Cause you know, Dan Infaults talked about it. Frank, it had, it had it happen to him, but like walking through the woods with no light and you hear like an arrow come back. Right. You're like, Whoa, hold on. You know, like, no, thanks. You know, I don't know. I think that that's something that's probably more important than, Right. That's where your Ray Charles thing came from earlier. I said, I, I like absolutely. When I had my climber, I refused. I wouldn't even carry a light on me. Like if I had shot a deer at night, I had to go to the truck to get a light to come back to track the deer. Like I refused to have a light because I was so concerned with, and then I started saddle hunting and, and I was saying to the group, like there's so many moving parts that I just want to make sure like, Climber, it was easy. You felt how many bumps you had on the summit, like slipped in those bumps to the lock, locked it. You got your angle. You can feel all those parts, regardless of how much loom you have. You can feel all that out. And I was hunting three trees at the time. So, like, I knew exactly where I needed to be and where my angles needed to be. And uh, since saddle hunting, I basically only use the red. I use the white as I need to, but like, and it's got a lot to do with that military thing is like the red feels comfortable to me. And that's where I'm, I, I like having my night vision. And I think a lot of it comes from that. I used to walk in with no light. Now I got a light and uh, you know, the the red gives you enough where you're not tripping and bumping and stumbling over shit, but you're st also not like beaconing out to, to other things. But like you were saying, like where other hunters are that morning, I went in by myself no light climbed up my tree 
an hour before dark or before light, I was ready to kill everything that walked through the woods. And these dudes were coming through with their white light. And like, I could see them. I'd flicker my little white light at them to, to let them know that I was where I was at. So I see like both aspects of it. I'm not, you know, I, I'm a pretty big devil's advocate kind of guy when it comes to everything. Like I, I try to weigh both sides of the story before I just make a decision. But when it came to like, if I picked up my climber tomorrow and decided I was going in in the climber, I would, I would die before I walked in with a light and I haven't climbed around it. It's just like, that's where I was at, man. There was no light and that was it. But see, like, I think it, to me, it's kind of like when guys were hunting or were scouting up for the Patreon hunt, right? And they were like, man, we went into this spot and like we got in there and it was so thick and we just kept on going because we were trying to get to this point on the map. And it's like, at some point, like you have to just abandon, like, like if it's that thick or if it's that whatever, like you can't get back in here to hunt it. Like, like unless you found like the deer Mecca or like whatever, and especially, you know, like you have to like look at it from that perspective. But I think about it with like a climber and it's like, I think about like in Ohio, you know, Frank went in, <laughs> I got back to the bikes and, uh, I had my light on when I, when I was going through, but when I got to the bikes, I turned the light off and then 20 minutes later, I mean, I see, I saw Frank's light for a while and then I turned my light off and then, you know, 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later, Frank's yelling, he's like, turn on your light. Like, where are you at? He he was, he was climbing on his back. uh, If you ever been down there with all the green briar and everything, but he was like stuck, like he's in a spider's web. You know, so he had to take his climber off. I think he had to take his jacket off. Yeah, so he had like wolf. <laughs> yeah, it's like Vel- yeah. he was velcroed in there. <laughs> so, and even that spot where I went in, you know, ten yards off a field edge today. Like, if I wouldn't have had a light, I would have been poked in the eye, hung up. And then that's where I think about like going from a climber, like with the big bands, and it sticks out, you know, two foot off your back. It's like there's no way you couldn't pay me to wear that thing in anymore ever i it's it's sitting in my shed i got two of them and i look at it and i go what what was i thinking how how was that the most how is that the best why do i still way? have this thing is what I, I look at it all the time I'm like, why do i still have this thing? it's funny I mean, that we're on this topic of lights because i just got a new light for for work and it's the big rocket launcher like it looks like a bazooka <laughs> milwaukee light and i was yeah. showing i was showing my wife i'm like check out my new light for walking in <laughs> like <laughs> It's like this big. <laughs> but we actually, uh, we use those big, like Milwaukee, we call them scene lights on like uh, our rescue truck or whatever. We, we used one last night on a scene. <laughs> but yeah. But so like when I'm walking in, I would rather have a little bit of light. I'm not like my headlamp. I'm running on as dim as possible or the blue light or the red light, whatever. But I would rather go in as quiet as possible without stepping on all the extra sticks and stuff like that or tripping and falling, you know, which I still do that even with my light on once in a while, but my son can contest to that. But, but so like, I've, I've never really worried, worried too much. Now, if I was going to go in like close to a bedding area or something, but still, if you're going in in the morning, yeah, they're, they're not in the yeah. bed, you know, and in, in the evening leaving, yeah, if you had deer around you or whatever, that might, you know, I've I've sat in a tree for like extra long just trying to let the deer, you know, cruise off and get out of the way. 
before I turn my headlamp on or whatever. And most of the time I can get down, even with my saddle gear. I mean, you know, without my 15 bow ropes tangled up and shit. But, <laughs> but he's got to get that muddy camera arm. and Yeah, the muddy camera arm that, you know, weighs eight pounds and I got a little tiny camcorder on it. Like, that's, yeah, that's me. <laughs> no, I, I promise I was living that. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's hilarious. Like, I don't know. It's just funny that I think about things all the time. Like I said, you spend so much time in the tree stand and I'm like, how can I make this more efficient? Like, how can I be like, like, what do I really need? Like, how can I, you know, what, what are things that would make this better? Cause that's why I love talking to like product guys or like gear guys. Cause they're like, you know, they always have an idea. They're like, and th- then there's lots of guys that have like executed it and like said, okay, we built the biggest, big, better thing. Like for, you know, like the, I got the, I, I was thinking about that. You got the DIY, uh, um, bow hunter camera arm now. Mm-hmm. So do I. And that's like a big, huge thing. And then you've got Austin's now. And that's, you know, you went from this industrial giant thing to, you know, something that's a lot more practical for, for what you're doing. Shoot, I could have mounted my dad's old, you know, 1980s VHS recorder right, on yeah, that sucker. You know, yeah. Put that sucker, it hold all that. Well, that's so like the, I went from the, the muddy before the like hunt hard or whatever. It was this like telescoping, heavy steel arm. And I was like, man, this thing just sucks. Like, I just hated it. It was, it had no pivot point. You just had this like one stick inside the other came out. And you had one option. Like, that was it. And I was like, man, I got to get something better. And I, I asked my buddy, like, hey, what arm do you run? And he has like, uh, he does the more like theatrical type videos, right? Like, shit, I will never be able to editing. I can't do that. I'm not that guy. And he like B roll for hours and days, and he's got like the camera that's like this big because it's got lights and microphones and shit. He's like, man, I got to get the muddy outfitter. And I'm like, yeah, done. And I, I picked it up for like fifty bucks on eBay. Like I just scored. Shipping got it. was that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> and uh, I got it. I was like, this thing is awesome. This is this is it. And then. The other day I picked up, I like literally could not wait to throw that shit in the back seat and run with this teeny little camera arm stuffed in my fanny pack. And I got up and I like got it all. I didn't even look at it. I just got in the woods and was like trying to screw my fluid head on it and <laughs> shit. Like it was terrible, but it was so much better than what I was running before. I had to do it that night. And tonight, I like I got it down to a science now, or at least as, as much as I can. Um, and hopefully, having those like my back already feels better taking the the seven pound arm or eight pound arm down to uh, you know a pound and a half. Like it just feels, but everything feels better well, already. And that's what I was thinking about. Like when you were talking about like a fifty pound setup, like that's pretty. You're like, oh my god, that's a lot. But you know, three liters of water. And an eight pound camera arm. I mean, right? You're you're twelve pounds right there. Uh, you're all of that, right? So it's like, okay. So plus the twenty. You said my, well, my climber's only twenty pounds. So like twenty plus twelve is thirty two. You know, like yeah. like yeah, you're you're in the game. Yeah, I mean, so it's like my when I 
the last stick and stands that I ran was that XOP shit. And it was the big stand with the four long ass XOP sticks with that camera arm and like not much extra clothes. That pack weighed 63 pounds with no water. Right. <laughs> like that's when I like, I mean, our listeners have heard it a bunch of times, but I almost left that shit in the woods. It took me two hours to go two thirds of a mile and it was raining and I was, I was like, I'm going to cut across this marsh. And it was the worst decision I have ever made. Like I thought I was going to freaking die out there. Really? And I got out to the point where the water was all the way up to my ball sack. My boots were stuck in the mud. I ended up like leaning up against one of them grass clumps. I was like, I'm just going to leave it here. Just that's it. No one, no one's ever going to find it. And I, I don't give a shit if they do, because I don't want this motherfucker no more. <laughs> but, yeah, I got back to, and it was raining, and it was, it got cold. It was raining and blowing so bad that, like, every time I'd breathe, I couldn't see a thing, because my headlamp was just lighting up the rain in my breath. Like, yeah, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I got back to the truck, and I actually, like, recorded a video. I was like... Dan Infault, I was like, fuck you, Dan Infault. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't mean that, Dan. But but taking off my boots, like, I was about ready to just get my razor knife out and cut those because they were sucked yeah, yeah. down my, full of mud and everything else. I'm like, these things are I got drunk. in the, the kayak last year in December, and it was like 65 degrees. It had been freezing, right? And for whatever reason, the ambient temperature outside was like 60 this morning. And I was like, this is going to be it. Like, the deer are going to be up because it's warm. Like, I got to get in the woods. And as I started paddling in, I hit down. I got down. And there was no fog. Everything was perfect until I sat my ass in that kayak. And I white light on, headlamp. So I roll in with, like, the headlamp on so I can kind of, you know, get through. I couldn't see shit. I had to pull over. I'm pretty sure I made a polo. I was like, I, I couldn't. I, the only way I could get in to where I needed to get was by red light. Because it was so in the, the, like, where the water was down in that area, it was so freaking thick. It was like you're talking about. You just couldn't see shit. <laughs> and I, I got scared. Like, I thought I was going to fall on this damn kayak in 30-degree water. Like, I was screwed if that had happened. But. Well, the, one of the fun things about Polo and dealing with Brad on there is he, I don't know, it was yesterday or a couple days ago. He's like, he's like I realized that, like you guys are the only ones that know where I'm at. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I didn't tell. He's like, I told my brother I was going to one of four spots. So he'd have found me at some point, but yeah, somebody had found me eventually. And as I said, like my wife and kids are in Florida and like, I, nobody knows where I'm at at all. Like we need a, we need like a, an app or something that, yeah, something I can be like, and, and I don't want to like put it out to, I just want like two or three people to know, like, this is where I'm going to be. I tried like, I tried to do like the screenshot thing, but at the same time, like look at, uh, you know, a Spartan Forge screenshot. There are only a few people in the the, the county that are going to be able to look at that screenshot and go, oh yeah, no, that's where he is. Like, hopefully it's the guys on the boats coming to get me. But like, <laughs> as I'm kayaking a mile in, you know, there's only like four people that, that I know of, obviously, that know about that spot, that know that I'm hunting there, 
And by the time it reaches them, you know, my wife's posting pictures on telephone poles or some shit. Have you seen this man? Because he's gone. Like, they, they, and then they might be like, oh, you know what? I think I know where he might be. Like, the polo guys know where I'm at, but they're not going to call Adam and be like, hey, do you know where the kayak spot is? Because that's what I call it, the kayak spot. It's, that's what it is. It's the spot I put the kayak in. Hey, Adam, do you know where the kayak spot is? Do you think you can go find my husband's bones? Because at this point, that's <laughs> how deep we are. I think, I mean, because you're on there bitching so much, we'd be like, something's up with Brad. Like, what's yeah, up? Yeah, no, no, I'd be gone. Well, it's like, what was it, last spring, I guess, where I just like stopped following for a while. And like, I got back on, Robbie's like, are you okay, man? Like, I, when I finally, like, I, what happened was I shut the notifications off. Like, I was doing something and, I shut the notifications off and I forgot to turn the shit back on, honestly. And like six months later, I was like, Oh fuck. Am I still in that group? Like <laughs> I should check that out. And like people had been messaging me like, like individual, like there was the the group had, you know, I can't imagine what John's looks like. I, shit. <laughs> but I imagine that's what it looked like. And then the group, there was like eight or 10, like individual people like, Hey, are you still alive? Like a, seen you on facebook but like did we do something like <laughs> are, you, are you good bro like yeah look ready Six thousand four hundred and thirteen polos <laughs> i don't even have the app anymore <laughs> well so uh, that still looks like the same phone john's phone is so old and so full that he has to like delete things to like be able to navigate to be able to fly the drone to be able to do well, anything i can't even fly the drone on this phone anymore and yeah every time i have to do an update or something. What's that? There's no case on it. I know. I took the case off because I'm like, fuck, I'm going to, hopefully I'll drop and break it and then I have to replace it. But have I dropped and broke it? No. And it's no. been off for like two months now. <laughs> I know. That's what I, when he was like, I was like, no case. And he's like, oh, it's old phone. Like, I got to get a new one. Yeah. Look, I mean, like I'm within like two feet of like two phones, full cases, like. <laughs> well if you're gonna drop them out of the kayak you gotta be ready for it Look, well let me tell you what like when, when it comes to securing shit apparently i am real good because for the fact that like when i opened my eyes underwater to look up <laughs> and my options were gopro wallet and and like main camera and wallet was my my that's it like everything else was strapped down good as shit i just rolled the kayak over it was all fine but like GoPro, main cam, and wallet were the only three things that came out. Phone was good. I wrote uh, Tyler from TNK, like, Bino stayed in the harness while I was fucking upside down in the water. Like, just, yeah. Like, hey, man, like, shit's, shit's working. Keep up the good work. The one thing, the, the one reason why I haven't, I mean, I can go get a new phone. It's just that my wife has the new phone, and I hate that. I like the home button. For some reason, I just like having the home button. Jeez, you still got like how old is this phone? Right, it's a seven. Now, now there's like a fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I don't need. I mean, like, look, I don't have an iPhone because I'm not a sixteen year old girl, like a hundred year old man. So I don't need an iPhone. But like, uh, I <laughs> that's what I tell my papa all the time. He's got an iPhone now. I'm like, yeah, you're like a hundred. You got to have an iPhone. But. The home button, yeah. When I like, I remember when Samsung got. I used to have like the Active series of Samsung. It was like waterproof, had buttons. Like that thing was the shit. And I remember walking in, be like, "I want the new one." They're like, "There is no new one." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." 
Oh, I want that. Like, where's, where's the buttons? I'm not, I'm not good enough to find, I need buttons. Yeah. Now, buttons. now it's just this swipe thing. And I'm like, I just like, you got to swipe it this way. This, I just want to be able to push the freaking button. Right. But oh, eventually I'll get a new one. Yeah. He, he's old. I'm he, old. I just <laughs> turned 48. So. But so one of the other things too, like with, with Brad I'm from listening this long, talking to Brad, like he hunts, he uses his stuff, he can secure it. So he's, he's good at doing like some, uh, like gear reviews and like, kind of like that sort of stuff. So I was like, Hey man, do you want to do some stuff for us? And he's like, yeah, we'll see. So I sent him one of the Huntworth, uh, Shelton, uh, hoodies, like the waffle hoodie. And I was like, try this, do a video on it. Let me know what you think. And it was, I was like, well, I think it's a pretty good, but I always feel like I'm going to do a video on like after a season of using all the different Huntworth stuff about what I like and what I don't like. That's the one with the built-in face mask thing. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, uh, but I was like, well, you know, we're sponsored by him. Like maybe it sounds like it's not real. So I was like, this is good. I like it, but I'll, we'll send it to that. So Brad did a video and, um, I'll get that up here pretty soon, but I would just, we didn't want it to put it on Facebook or like, uh, on YouTube. And they're like, who is this Brandon. little freaking redneck guy? <laughs> <laughs> like, did he, what, what's going on? <laughs> um, but like, so I actually didn't have that this morning. Like I've used that since last December and, uh, we went camping, so all my stuff was here and there and everywhere. And I was sneaking out of the camper in the in the morning, and I got out to my tree, and I was like, "I hate this! Like, I love that hoodie so much for the yeah, like, built-in like face mask." Skin. And but it was it's just like perfect. Like I like the hood, I like the the face mask. And the fact that it's a half zip, so you can open it up on the way right. in. The only thing, like, I don't it happens with any face mask with me. Any, I mean, probably with you with the beard. But, like, when I, like, my neck whiskers always, like, get caught in it. But that's with every, you know. Yeah. It, I, I thought you were going to say, like, I feel like anytime I wear a face mask, like, my nose starts to run. Because it's like my breath gets in my nose and it's dripping or whatever. But that's any face mask. Right. But. I mean, because I—I mean, I'm looking at Brad right now, and he's like a cross between like a Juggalo and like the Joker that was Jared Leto. Like he's got like points above his eyebrows, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, D- don't they teach you about camel paint in the army? Like yeah, the shade like, areas and the. So look, uh, what was that dude saying? He got arrested for poaching or some shit uh chris something pratt or uh, chris uh oh what bracket chris bracket yeah so he had like he the first guy i remember like having to distinct every time he was in the woods his face paint was the same right and i was like shit i'm doing these youtube videos now i gotta have a distinct like so i decided i came up with this like three tiger stripe thing right and for like years that's just been my it's been my face paint. And the other day I was in the woods, right? That's why you got these, this weird shit right today. The other day I'm in the woods and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I literally pull my hat over half my face paint. Like, cause I was going all the way clean up to like up here, like with my face. Paint. And I was like, I wear my hat low 
I make sure it's out of my way when I'm in my string. Like I set everything up that way. Cause I know I like my, I was like, I'm painting my forehead to cover it up with a hat. Like it doesn't make any sense. So tonight I was like, Oh, I'll just, I'll do it a little short. And now I'm like, like you said, like I feel like a juggalo. Like I got little points. <laughs> you got some devil horns. There. <laughs> yeah. Violet like J it. over here. Hey, whatever. Yeah. Two liter stuck up my butt cheeks or whatever. <laughs> but, but that's like one of the things like that I've loved about it is like, cause I would always do face paint, but I'm like, I don't need to do that. Cause like the only thing you can see is like my eyes. Right. And then I'm like, that's unnecessary. Um, so I'm, but that's one of the other things. Like I really am digging about it, but like, so you're overall. So I just said, Hey Brad, I'm going to send you this. I should have just got the child size, but I got a medium. Um, send it. I kind of shared it with him. <laughs> Look, I'm going to tell you what, uh, Eric Ritter was like, Hey, uh, we're like the same size. Right. And I was like, I assume. And he's like, cool. Cause there's not many people our size that are like reviewing shit. So when you like, He's like, let's let's talk about gear. Let's talk about. He's like, we're gonna meet up one day. We're just gonna bring all our shit. And we're gonna try each other's shit on and like see what it all like. Because you know everyone's like John, like seven hundred feet tall or whatever, and <laughs> walking around. And us normal people or little people, I don't know. Me and and Tim Clark and and Eric, we can figure some stuff out. We'll do some trading and stuff. <laughs> so what was your like? Because uh, like. I would assume you didn't really know anything about it. Like, I was just like, Hey, I'm going to, oh, here's yeah. what I'm going to send you this hoodie. Yeah. Uh, initially I, uh, again, face paint, right. I hated the face mask. I wanted a face mask so bad. I wanted to like, you know, the hoodie, everyone's got the, the cool Sika jackets or the Kuyu jackets. They got the, I was like, yeah, I gotta have one. Adam's like, yeah, I got this Huntworth one that's midweight. Like, it'll work for what you're like, hell yeah, let's do it. And I, that first night, I like, I, I made the TikTok over uh, the, uh, from the Django, you know, where I'm like, oh, I'm just fucking with my eye holes, right? I was literally making that TikTok when the dough came out that I shot. So now I can't not wear it because immediately when you put on this hoodie, you kill deer. I'm just letting everyone know. That's, that's part of the selling point. Um, but again, tonight it was like, I want to say it was like 70 degrees, but it was like 15 mile an hour winds. And I brought it, I put it on my pack. It doesn't weigh anything. And, and that was, I said in the video, like initially I midweight sweatshirt is what it was called. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is going to be like a decently thick, like, and it got here and I was like, shit, it is a waffle top. Like it is. Thin as like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this thing cannot be warm. And I remember that that night I wore it, it was, it was, you know, mid sixties. And I got in and you start getting that kind of chill before dark. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to put this hoodie on. I put it on. And I was like, dang, this is nice. Like, this is nice. And then tonight, 15 mile an hour winds. I'm sitting there. It's like 70, 65 degrees. Sun's going down. I'm getting kind of chilly. I'm like, nope, got to put that hoodie on. I'm not about to get cold tonight. Like, put it on. Had to take it off because you cannot walk in with the thing on. No. I, I'm sure like up, up north, you know, it, if I had it that back in the day in New York, like that'd have been great. But down here, it ain't going to work. Like I got to take it off to walk in. And that's what I did the other morning when I kayaked in, I went in in like a, a thin, uh, you know, almost like an Under Armour type weight, uh, long sleeve shirt. And then as soon as I got up, I was freezing because I just swept my ass off for the next, you know, mile kayak in immediately popped that hoodie on. And then, like you said, like, Put my face mask on, and I don't have to mess with face paint. 
Now I'm not. I remember like back in the, the, the face paint day, you know, last year or up until a couple months ago this year, I hated a face mask and that's why you get the face paint. And uh, uh, trying to do that shit in the dark is like you either do it before you walk in or you wait until gray light because you don't want to pull your phone out and be like skylighting yourself up there, you know? So now I got this little face mask I can wear. And if it gets too hot or I don't have some shit on my face, I'll pull that off like I did tonight. And I, I painted my face up. But as soon as I put that shit on, boom, face mask was on. So I got paint and a face mask. I'm double covered. Everybody <laughs> knows the deer are going to see me now. But uh, immediately, like I said, I, I, I love the thing. Like you said this morning, like I, I can't imagine myself from this point on walking in the woods and not having that as part of like my layering system. Uh, and I, again, you've heard me talk a million times. Uh, I'm like the most mismatched like camo. I don't have a, a full suit of anything. Um, but that will be it. Like I, I have my army issued waffle top, which is like exactly what that is. And that's what I wore without the hood. Uh, and yeah, like the army issued one, I don't care where that goes now at this point. And it, and it's that, that tan, right? So if I'm walking in and just that, <laughs> I'm going to get shot. So now I got a camo one that like, I don't, I'm not worried about getting shot. Uh, that front pocket, let's talk about that thing. It is huge. And I hate gloves. Okay. I, I'm the first to tell you, like, I'm not a glove guy. And to be able to like tuck in in your, you know, you get your saddle and you get your arms underneath your bridge and get in that pocket. And then I built this little pillow that I put on my carabiner and yeah, I can take a nap. That was the, my, like my biggest bitch between uh climber to saddle was that like, I could sleep incredible before the sun came up in my climber and I had like trained myself to listen for crap. I'm sure a hundred deer would walk by me and I never knew, but like now I'm in my saddle and I'm like, I was like, there's no, like you can't lean against your carabiner or like your ropes and your head starts getting hurt. Now I get this little pillow and I'm like, yep, I'm good. Between wrapping up in that little, I can like cocoon myself in that little thing, my back band. And yeah, I could sleep in my tree and my saddle forever now. I'm I'm great. I just but. seen someone who sewed up a pillow and then they sewed on a piece of elastic headband to it and they just put it on like their headlamp. <laughs> or I'd imagine you could take and put one on like the back of your headlamp. So you got your headlamp walking in, you spin it around right. and get your dream. Flip it around. Pillow. Yeah. And that's how, so I went to NWTF, like so it's in Nashville, right? So it's just an hour away. We run up there every year. Uh, like next year we decided we had some buddies come up from West Tennessee or like as farther West Tennessee this year. And they make a weekend of it. They, they get a hotel room. They, they make it like their summer, you know, whatever there's pools and shit to do in, in the Opry land and whatever. So the kids come and you, you got a spot where you can hide the kids when you guys want to walk around and stuff like that. But, uh, so they, a couple years ago, they gave my kids these bandanas and I'm like, what are my kids going to do with these mossy oak? bandanas with the nwtf logo on them so the other day i was like man i was like leaned up against my carabiner and my head hurt and i was like holy shit i don't know where those bandanas are and i can run a sewing machine like so 15 minutes later i got this little pillow and i'm like oh yeah no i took it out i was passed out my my saddle waiting for the well, 80 degree weather to cut so the deer start moving again there you go that's a new uh new product 
Start sewing them up. Well, and this was, so I saw this dude like uh, again. You're on, you know, all the Saddle Hunter Nation and all that bullshit on Facebook. And this dude was selling them for like fifteen or twenty bucks a piece. And I was like, oh my god, I gotta have one of those. And I was like, wait a minute, I can make that. Which again goes back to like the roots of where I believe the saddle company started, or the saddle not company community started, was like dudes were making their own stuff. And nowadays, somebody posts like a DIY, you know, platform something and dudes eat his lunch and i'm like yeah but guys were sitting in those sit drags for how long before these commercial saddles came out like i understand testing and there's like safety aspects to it and stuff like that but like how long was a rock harness and a sit drag the thing to be in before any of us uh maybe you guys but i didn't know what the hell a saddle was i remember my dad wanted one back in like the early late 90s i guess uh like arrow or somebody had come out with arrow hunter had come out with one and i remember my dad being like that would be the ultimate but never bought one and i remember like seeing it in a magazine or something and being like i eventually i'll own one of those and fast forward 20 years here i am like i will never hunt on anything but that saddle now well like i say i, I always just remember in the back outdoor life like where you got to like the advertisements like where yeah. there was like that and there was a square and i believe it was the tree sling but it was a like a you know like a silhouette kind of like the the out on a limb one but it was just like a silhouette of a tree and then a guy leaned over like shooting yeah. out of it and it it was like you know that was like a little you know quarter of a page eighth of a page advertisement and i was like i was like that would be so tangly like cuz there's <laughs> so many limbs i'm like how, you can only shoot behind them like <laughs> I was just, I mean, that was my thoughts, like, even as a kid. Right. Well, and even, like, seeing the saddle now, so, like, I'm not going to lie to nobody. I bought a saddle because I was going to be lighter. That was it. Like, the, the the bulk of the climber sucks. It's whatever. I You guys have heard me, or I guess not John, but you've heard me bitch enough that, like, I hate being the cool guy with, like, Adam needs all the new stuff. Like, Adam's got to have... You know, if th this company's coming out with this thing, Adam's going to have two of them, like, immediately. Like, that's just what Adam – and I'm not that guy. Like, I will hunt – I'm hunting in, like, uh, some some Duluth Trading Company pants and, like, a random T-shirt that I got on Mossy Oak on sale. And, like, I don't, I don't need the new stuff. I had the same climber for 10 years. All of a sudden, I get in a saddle, and I'm like, man, it would be cool if I had some lighter sticks. It would be cool if I had, uh, you know, some – so I'm like, and my wife's like, how much shit are you going to buy this year? I'm like, no, no, no. I only need three more things. Like, that's it. <laughs> and that's what I was telling her. Like, uh, you know, I was bitching about the, the, the 50 pound pack. And she's like, all right, what's it going to take? And I was like, first, you got to lose the water. She's like, well, that's dumb. And I was like, no, I get that. <laughs> she's like, uh, she's like, all right, how much is it going to cost you to get lighter sticks? And I was like, easy. They're a hundred bucks a stick. She's like, how many sticks do you need? I was like, four. She's like, what? <laughs> what? Like, but I can lose five pounds tonight for two hundred bucks. You know, it's, it's three pounds for four hundred or five pounds for two hundred. Let's do this. Like, let's. She's like, you no, you're done. You're you don't need any more shit. What you need so, is a life straw. I well look. So you know, flashback to my army days. We're on this shitty little op, and like air went black. We were getting like uh water and stuff airlifted to us and it went black. We we're down to one bottle of water a day, but we still had to make patrols. So we had this <laughs> life straw and 
we were uh, we were sucking water out of this river, and we had this pump that you could attach to. It wasn't life straw, obviously, but like there's this little pump you could attach to it. And, and I remember we we'd made a bunch of shit, and uh, they were like, "Doc, you can't drink it." I was like, "What do you mean I can't drink the water?" Like everyone else had like seven bottles of water at this point. I got one, and I'm like, "What do you mean I can't drink it?" And they're like, "Well, somebody's got to be alive to like." save us if we all get dysentery and die and shit like if this life straw thing doesn't work and uh I this, we had this old cuban guy and he was like i ain't drinking that nut. no i ain't drinking i was like good you drink the regular one bottle of water i'm gonna drink seven bottles of you know afghan toilet water and uh this life straw is gonna save us but that's why i believe i promise if if, if life straw needed somebody to call i'm the guy i will drink water out of a river and survived so <laughs> afghanistan water but but yeah it's like i i do like gear uh for sure but i think like for for me here is like i want to be able to talk about it intelligently i hate guys that are just like well that sounds cool like yeah yeah it sounds good or they're like well this is the best because i have one obviously (laughs) And that's, so I kind of feel that way is like, uh, so I had that trophy line that didn't fit. Right. But also at the same, so I've sat in four saddles ever. Right. So when people ask me, what's the best saddle? I'm like, Oh, it's my, my cruiser, but that's the only one I really know. Uh, I, I've sat in a mantis for, you know, 15 minutes. Uh, my buddy sent me as soon as the phantom came out, he bought one. He had a mantis. He bought a phantom. I don't think he'd even sat in it. But I was talking to him about how I like wanted to try a saddle. I thought he was sending me the mantis. I guess he had loaned his mantis to his buddy, so he just sent me his phantom. And I had that for like four months. And that was what really decided, like, all right, I can do this settlement thing. So the trophy line, whichever one I had, covert light, the, the brown one, whatever the brown one was. Uh, I had that one, and then I had I had sat in the other two, and then my my XC. So when people are like, hey. What's the best? I always try and put in there like, hey, Cruiser XC is incredible. I sat in the Archon, so technically five, I guess. Uh, Cruiser XC is is awesome. It's got the pleats. It opens up. I like it. I can ride it up higher on my back if I need to. Uh, But, comma, I've only sat in four saddles or five saddles ever. So I can't really weigh in hard on this that, you know, the reasons I bought a cruiser aren't going to be the reasons you want to buy that or, or your latitude or, I mean, at one point you can attest that like I, I had a latitude classic in my cart. Like Adam can tell you, like it it was done. Like I was buying it. And if Chad hadn't have popped up on some random thing and, you know, Michigan versus Tennessee, like that's, that's really the only reason I picked the cruiser and then I went the XC because I, I like the idea of the pleat and, and being able to move it and stuff. And that was it. If, if like I said, if Uncle Joe hadn't given us the COVID money, uh, I don't know that if I'd have been, you know, I, I'd probably be sitting in a, a Latitude Classic right now and be singing their praises versus uh, the Cruiser. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of like the the journey that everybody gets in, just because, like, I think, I mean, I don't know. We probably all, well, I don't know, you, maybe you said that you, no, you said you started in like the big, 
metal like steel climbers yeah. i mean you went through the same progression of like being in your climber and you're like oh that one would be nice or that one would be nice and then you finally got to like what worked out for you and for most people it ends up being like summit uh and then it's just like super comfortable you're comfortable using it and then you know you just get it dialed in but you had 20 years to get to that point and right. now you're you're just you know somewhat reinventing the wheel so i don't know but like, like I say, I, I just wanted to bring Brad on here and kind of, kind of talk some hunting, go through some scenarios, and then kind of be like, all right, well, oh yeah, and and go through like, uh, you know, kind of who he is before he starts showing up on YouTube, uh, doing some stuff for us. So, uh, did you want to talk about the wind real quick? My wind theory <laughs> that that it doesn't matter. Yeah, the wind doesn't matter. Don't hunt the wind. Just go hunt. What did you say? John Beaverhart can smell my farts or something if I kill a deer tonight or whatever. Like, <laughs> Look, that whole, uh, you guys, have, of course, have seen it. This this whole him and in fault fight has got me just absolutely locked up. I, I can't wait to start. My, I, I'm, hopefully, I can get the right uh, community on TikTok to like follow along because I'm getting ready to start this whole series about like this Eberhart versus in fault fight. And I hope it works all right. I don't know if it's gonna work, but uh, you know, I got I got stealth strips on my muddy pros. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I hunt. Uh, I hunt. I've, I've killed multiple deer downwind. They all were 45 to 50 pounds dressed. So Eberhart's wrong. Uh, you know, we we can handle some things if if we gotta handle things. You don't need to hunt the wind. <laughs> Speaking of, so what bow are you shooting? Uh, yeah, that's no. why I, I had to laugh because he hates his <laughs> RX one. He just I hate my RX one. Really? Uh, yeah, I can't get the thing. So uh, my biggest issue with the RX one is tuning. Yeah. The the bar that holds your uh, your cables out of the way, I don't feel like is set off enough. Uh, so I'm having a lot of problem with like uh, fletchings catching, and then are uh, you shooting blazers? I I had been. And then I switched to a, a four-fletch tack vein, and I, I lost a lot of that tack drivers. Um, but I just, for whatever reason, I and and I think it's got to do with I went from a twenty-eight inch ATA uh, Bowmanis XS to this like thirty-two inch, you know, double cam. I went from a single cam bow to a double. I just kind of jumped right, like just off the deep end, kind of like I did with the saddle thing, but. I got it for 700 bucks with a sight, quiver, rest, everything, you know, ready to hunt in 2020. So it was a two-year-old bow, you know, a thousand dollar something bow for, for 700 bucks. It was hard to walk away from. Um, and then I have a bow madness 30 that my dad just gave me. It's probably been shot 50 times ever. Um, that I like, but the draw cycle is super choppy. If I had gone from that XS to the Bow Madness 30, I probably never would have even thought about the RX1. Um, but I would I would like to, and, and only because I'm a PSC guy, right? I've always been a PSC guy. Guys hate PSC, and I don't care. And we all have our thing, right? Chevy Ford, you want to fight about it? Uh, I've been looking at possibly purchasing... That PSC Omen that's in the 30 axle to axle. Being a shorter guy, I like the smaller axle to axle bow. And especially in the saddle, like that that transition from weak side or strong side up over to weak side, 
I just that's one of the things I just can't perfect with that that RX one. Uh, even though I've, I've like I said, I've I've schwacked a bunch of deer with it. Uh, I'm I'm not in love with it, and I think that's the issue is that I bought it. Uh, everyone says like you got to shoot your bows, you know, go into a shop and shoot thirty bows before you pick the bow you want to shoot. I got a Craigslist and I was like, yeah, that's a great deal. I got to have that bow. Um, so I think that's where I messed up and I, I'd like to shoot. I think this time around, I'm going to go shoot different brands, different bows, different axle to axle, and then, uh, feel what feels best in my hand to me. And, and originally I was like, Adam could attest. I, I, I wounded that buck earlier in the year. I thought I absolutely smoked it and, uh, it just, just didn't work out. And, uh, I was like, I got to change something up, right? I'm going to, I'm going to switch to this other, this PSE bow. And after shooting it for like an hour, I was like, man, I can't, I can't give up that buttery smooth draw cycle, that double cam RX one for this like choppy, like hard back wall, whatever. But that's, uh, that's my dilemma right now is, is what probably next year, or this spring, I'll be purchasing a new one. Um, and, and I say that. And I may still be holding on to my RX one this time next year, talking about how much I hate it still. <laughs> what arrows so, are you shooting? Uh, <laughs> that's another fun story. He's got three of them. Yeah. I, I'm down. To, I was down to three. Uh, <laughs> I was shooting element quakes and, uh, I recently broke and or lost multiple of them. Uh, so two or three nights ago, uh, I switched to, uh, Eastern access five millimeters. It was, uh, like seven or eight or nine at night. I was sending polos of me sighting my bow in, in my shop, like target was in the shop. I was running outside, taking shots, going back in, resetting my bow. So right now I'm shooting uh five millimeter axis. Uh, I don't know what my FOC is because I don't, I haven't calculated it with the new ones yet, but, uh, they're like right around 500, 502 grains. Um, and I did officially switch to, uh, all zinger fletchings, uh, when I, when I switched to those. So what do you got? 50 grains of brass up front then? Uh, no. So I went with the 25 grains and I think it's kind of kicking me in the ass right now. Um, but they're outserts. They're the aluminum 25 grain outserts. I didn't want to go. The, the problem I had with uh, the other arrows, I was at like 580 grains. And I felt like there was a significant like like I'd shoot and then there'd kind of be like a, a second before the, the, the hit. Um, so I tried to get a little bit of feet per second back without losing as much of my kinetic energy. So you must be uh, shooting a pretty heavy head then. Like 150 grains, yeah. I was say, because you're, I mean... That arrow and your draw length, what, you're shooting 300s? Yeah. 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 And then, uh, so, as far as broadheads go, uh, I started out the year with three VPAs, single bevels, uh, and three Magnus uh, four-blade buzz cuts. And uh, I, what, two days before season, banged one of my VPAs. I, I shot... At my 40 yard pin at 60 yards, like a dipshit. I didn't roll my sight down. And, uh, I, I sent it in a, uh, a pallet and I caught a nail on the pallet and just absolutely destroyed one of the VPAs. <laughs> Second time I let one go was in that buck that carried the arrow away with him. Uh, so then I was down to one VPA and, uh, 
I just lost a Magnus the other night. I shot a doe and uh, absolutely crushed her. Uh, but the arrow just kept going, and I have no idea where it ended up. Like, it's got to be in some leaves somewhere up there. So now I got, like, three broadheads right now, so there's no point in carrying any other arrows because I don't have any other 150 grain. Uh, but that's why I just sent a polo when I pulled into the house. I bought some off of, uh, you know, one of the Facebook, somebody who's getting rid of some crap. And uh, I, the stupid USPS app said they were going to be here today, and I was so jacked up about them being here. And when I pulled in, I realized it was Sunday. Like, obviously they're not going to be here today um so i got uh i guess they're i got like eight drts coming and then um i bought some uh a flicker k2x's or i guess they're kx i don't know how the, the hybrid afflictors in 150 grains i've decided I, I wanted to shoot those a couple years ago and i changed my mind last minute and i went to the but dude had some for for couple dollars less than they should have been so i picked those up cool yeah i i still i actually just rebuilt my uh rx1 for my son but then i shot it i'm like man maybe i'll just give him one of my other bows <laughs> <laughs> but i have awesome. i still have a psc i have my new the new matthews mm-hmm. and i but there's just something about the the way the rx1 the grip on it. I just like the grip. I put the yeah, side I like plates the way, on. Like, yeah. I like the way it, and, and, uh, you know, again, everyone's shoots that, uh, that, that Bomar grip tape shit came out. Right. And everyone was like, Oh my God, I got Hessen. Yeah. Well, for years I've been wrapping my bow grips in like Wilson, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the baseball bat. Or the- yeah. Or, yeah. One or the other. And, uh, it, it just feels so damn good. Like I got an AccuBow. I wrap that in like the Wilson grip tape because like it just, it feels wrong without it. And that RX one is like, it just fits good in your hand, but, uh, just something about it. I just don't like (laughs) it. They can be tricky to tune. I mean, especially that was, well, that that was the first year that they came out with our, the red work series. And even looking at my old boat, if you look at it closely, it almost looks like the limb cups, are kind of they're not parallel to each other. They almost right. look like they're kind of cockeyed. But I, I tore the bow down and then reshimmed the cams, and you know, I obviously tinker with a lot of shit. So, but and then right. I built it when we went out west. I put eighty pound limbs on it, mm-hmm. and then we got back. I ended up I hunted two years, well, two seasons with that, and then put it down to. I was having a problem with my shoulder, so I rebuilt it with 70-pound limbs. But, man, it's still, like he said, it shoots really good. So It's so smooth. The draw cycle, is it's just it's smooth, man. Yeah, but it, it is super smooth. I don't know. There's just and, – and like I said, I don't know if it's just too long for my body size, and that's probably mostly what it is. And then the tuning issue is like uh, – I kept having to like bottom my sights out, which was pissing me off because I was trying to get like to attack and you can't go to attack. I bought like a three pin slider and like all this stuff. And like, I was ready to like, you know, try and make like a hybrid tack hunting setup kind of thing. And when you're bottoming your sight out at 60 yards, um, you can't go to tack with a 60 yard pin. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Can't if you're Frank. Um, <laughs> Well, you're from the land of the Kentucky windage. Like, that ought to do it. 
Like, yeah, no, yeah, that's it. Like we, I, I promise. Like, like I said the other night, like I sighted my bow into 40 yards or I guess 30 yards. Um, because I knew I wasn't going to have to make a shot over 30 yards in the spot I was in. And then the other morning I'm sitting there and I was like, Hmm, bucks at 42 yards. Like I didn't think about that spot being a spot like that bucks would show up at or a deer would show up at. There he is. I was like, my hell. I put that 30 yard pin on his back. It's going to hit somewhere. It's going to kill it. Like that's just kind of where my brain was at. And, uh, yeah, that's, I'll, I'll make it work. I'll make it work. That tonight I was sitting there and like, I ranged the, uh, the edge of the, the opposite edge, like where the, the woods was. And I was like, Oh, that's 52 yards. I was like, I was supposed to sight my bow out to 60 today. And I didn't. Well, I'll just dial it down. It'll it'll figure itself out. We'll <laughs> make it work. I I killed one way before any of the sliders and any of that stuff at fifty two yards, and it was out there, and that was before range finders. And I was like, man, that looks like it's a long way. And I was like, mm. there we go. And I thought the deer didn't even react. I thought I thought I missed it. You know, the deer just kind of like looked back at me and just walked off. And I and I'd already, I already I think it was that deer, but I had already missed earlier but it wasn't like a i mean yes i did miss but i was in a tree stand with a a safety harness and i drew back and i had a twist all the way around and like when i was like you know getting in there my 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 uh safety harness got in the way and my finger was on the trigger and the the arrow just went (laughs) in a freaking somewhere on state land And, and so i was like oh well that one's gone what are you, uh, what kind of release are you shooting? I got a true fire hardcore. So wrist strap. Strap, Yeah. And I, so I got a, uh, I had a bunch of shoulder surgery and stuff on my left arm. Um, so I, I like the idea of having that extra, like, uh, when I get back, I get real shaky. I tried like a thumb release and holding my hand. Like I, I, for whatever reason, I felt like I couldn't hold it as long and it probably just cause I wasn't used to it. Um, but I've, I've found that being like a, a comfort safety kind of, you know, something I know kind of area where as I can hold the, I say, I think I sent, or I guess I couldn't send most of the video, but, uh, that the buck I, I hit early season, uh, I ended up drawing on him like four times. And then I held the last time I, I drew, I held for like 45, 50 seconds before I actually released the arrow. Um, and like I said, when I tried the, the, the four figure release, I just, I don't feel like I could, I could hold it back as long. And I, I blame the shoulder, but it was probably just my hand being a little bitch. So do you, uh, do you use a kisser button? Like your, what's your anchor point? Like, no. So I come back to, I anchor on the back of my jaw with my thumb. And then, uh, I started, I, I used to touch my nose to the string and then I actually got a, a Bomar nose button. I felt like that kind of tightened me up. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, I, I don't remember, watching you know one of the eight million videos i watched uh but I, I i found that the the back corner of my jaw here i would lock my thumb this part of my thumb i would lock up against that and uh that's kind of been my my back anchor point and then i was uh i used to bury it i used to have like shoot the overdraw and all that shit like everybody did um i used to bury it in the back corner so i had the two points there and then um kisser button for a while and then finally, that uh, I, I got rid of all that shit, started going to nose on the string, and then the nose button kind of dialed just that little bit extra in where 
uh, especially that was like why I stopped using a face mask for a long time was like I couldn't bury my kisser button or I couldn't bury my nose where I wanted to where I felt it right and um, I noticed with that hunt or jacket on even when I buried my kisser button like I could still kind of feel that little bit of that point where I wanted it mm -hmm. so it felt comfortable now, I was just asking because I mean obviously your anchor point and where your your peep sight is everything you know if the lower your your peep sight is that you're going to lose your range right you know so when you're bearing your sight i mean that bow you should you should easily be able to get out i mean well and that's it so i i took it to three different shops and like like i said like i was trying to i wanted to go to tack that was it like i was headed to chattanooga like it was it and uh, i bought a whole new site like it was game on and then i had to bury that site down and no one could figure out uh you know why that was happening i like i said three different shops three different people that i i, I don't know. one guy I definitely trusted the other two you know guys i went to and uh after having three people look at it and say man i can't figure it out but even like the guy i bought it from had buried that site so i don't know if it's just that specific bow just has a problem i, I don't know how that's an issue but like it just have you, I mean, ever put new strings, cable, you know, any of that? Yeah, no, yeah. That was like the the first thing I tried was like to, to get rid of, uh, when I bought it, it had factory. I want to say, did I shoot it with factory or did I buy strings for it? I, it's got strings on it now. Like I bought strings for it last spring. So, um, and, and even then, like uh, with, I was able to move the site up some, but um just where it's where it's comfortable and where it sits on me. Um, I, I do kind of slouch a little bit instead of like standing all the way up. But I've tried like to retrain my body over a summer of of keeping my head up and keeping it like, you know, where you're supposed to be and all that stuff. And it just I end up getting in the tree stand, I shoot like shit. So I just kind of go back to what's the most comfortable, right? Like ultimately, tack's a cool thing and, and it sounds fun to shoot a hundred yards of the bow. But ultimately, if from zero to 40 yards, I can hit, you know, where I want to hit every time, that's realistically where I'm going to be at. Right. So I can't stretch it out of tack, then I can't stretch it out of tack. Yeah. I know, like, uh, on there, he's like, I just need to, I, like, I wish I could just get this bow to John because I know, like, he'd be, uh, like, because it's like, uh, when he was like, when you, you were, like, getting ready to say, like, what bow does he yeah, I was like, oh, right, here we go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but so where can people figure out? Uh, where can they follow along with you? It's, I think you get most of your engagement on TikTok, right? Yeah, yeah. I have like, uh, I think, I think I may have broke the thirty-three thousand follower bubble on TikTok uh, with this last video I did for Acubo here. Um, but most of my engagements on TikTok, uh, I do have a YouTube. Um, I did find out uh, in its infancy of the the whole BDS thing. So BDS is my first initial of my three kids, Bradley, Delaney, Sophie, right? Um, so I was going to go with, I can't remember what it was. Oh, DBS, right? So it would go with Delaney being the biggest, Bradley being the middle, Sophie being the little. But it spelled out like D-bags in my brain. <laughs> I cannot Douchebag syndicate. Oh, yeah, goodness. like, yeah, I just, I was like, I can't be that. So I went with BDS and uh, I got online and there was like another YouTube channel that had already used that Instagram. They had all their little following and I messaged them was like, Hey guys, kind of thinking about going this route is this dead. I'd noticed they hadn't posted anything in like a year. 
And for whatever reason, once I started getting traction on like TikTok and it spilled over into YouTube and Instagram, they revamped their stuff. They started posting again. And uh, we haven't spoke since, but I hope that doesn't become an issue. But I have, you know, social media. I got it. I'm on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, the TikTok. My Twitter, I have a Twitter, but I don't get on there. I don't even think that's BDS. I think that's just me. Um, but yeah, I'm on. I'm on all the things. I try and do all the things. I suck at Instagram. I'm not. I don't. I don't understand the Instagram. I like have to show my wife the post to make sure that it makes sense because she's got like bunches of followers and stuff on there. I don't. I'm good with Facebook and uh, TikTok and a uh, little bit. I'm trying to trying to tweak the YouTube into to making sense, but um, I got a couple of videos on there, and I try and self film as much as I can. It doesn't quite work out as well as some. I ultimately like I will push the camera out of the way to make a shot on a deer, <laughs> and uh, that's that's what's going to happen until somebody's paying me to to shoot deer. You know, right, right. Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> Well, yeah, man. Thank you for coming on here and uh, yeah, appreciate you and chatting with us. So, I think that's kind of all we got for tonight. <laughs>